Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you unlock your true inner strength potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends, and thank you for joining me on our episode number 13. Super stoked to be here again, and you know, every week that this comes up, I'm always getting a little excited. I don't know, maybe you guys do too. I really wish I could do this every week because it really is like a passion project for me, and um, I know I've said that over and over, but it, you know, it, it always joys me to see you guys listening, and, and I mean, I've reached people all over the place, you know, with these amazing guests that I have. Um, and actually just uh, today, I spoke with a doctor who doesn't even powerlift and shout out to Dr. Gonta if you're out there, who she doesn't even powerlift, but she listens to the episodes. And I, um, I, I just love the fact that people are being um, reached outside of what I thought was going to happen. So thank you again for tuning in and joining me again for episode number 13 on this fine valentine's day and i hope you guys are all having a great valentine's and if you don't have a valentine fuck it you know it's okay you got you you do you boo boo okay anyways today we have a fabulous fabulous guest i have one of the ladies who is i would say the backbone of the uspa her name is leo richardson and if you don't know who she is you've probably seen her at a lot of meets and just didn't know who she was she, if you are on the West Coast, you are 100% going to see her. If you're at Nationals, Worlds, or any kind of higher level USPA meet, you're going to meet her. She is that lady that's right there and right next to Steve. Steve Dennison, who is the um, the president of USPA, she is his right-hand man. And she's been a part of the USPA and the growth um, for many, many years. And we totally explore how she got started with that um, and where they plan on taking the USPA now. We um, know each other, which is odd, but from powerlifting, but we're both from Hawaii. Now, you know you're from the islands when you just know somebody who knows somebody. And so I actually go over a story where I know one of her close friends and fellow um, teammate, um, Darren Matsumoto, who's from Team uh, Mana Barbell out in Oahu, who to me, are the leaders in powerlifting in Hawaii. And um, they sort of carved the way for powerlifting for many people. And I, you know, I knew Darren from back in the days. I didn't even know what powerlifting was. So I really, we should we talk, we talk a lot about that story. And um, it's kind of crazy to see like the full circle. Leo and Susan, who was in our previous episodes, I think she was in episode three, Leo and Susan have been friends forever. They are like besties. They... <laughs> coined the term AARP strong hashtag, which if you haven't looked it up, you got to look up that hashtag because it is freaking hilarious. But, you know, Leo ain't no spring chicken either. She's in her 40s as well. And she is rocking and rolling, um, still, you know, handling the admin side and and kind of re, you know, always trying to compete at least once a year. Um, and one of her biggest roles is supporting Susan. And, and as you know, Susan is an amazing lifter. She's a world record holder. Um, and she recently got injured, but they're still slowing her down. I mean, after her injury, she was taking a picture 
with Leo saying, telling everybody, hey, thank you, you know, for the support. I'm just really hungry. <laughs> it's been about four hours since I ate, um, which, you know, that kind of commitment, it's it's great to have a good best friend, somebody who's there like Leo, who is going to weather the storm. Leo touches a little bit about how her passion of growing the sport um, has taken her to where she's at now. Uh, and I think that there is a beautiful spot for people who are from a smaller area like Hawaii. It is a small community. Powerlifting isn't huge out there. Um, it is sort of taking off. And we ha we talk about Ho'omana Barbell, who is out in Maui, um, Mana Barbell, who is out you know, in Oahu. And you know, Leo is really hoping to explore all the islands and grow the sport. And I am repping the big island, so I would love to be um, gosh, I would love to be able to throw meat out there. That would be like freaking awesome. Um, so anyways, I might put that out there because all my Hilo and my Kona peeps, you know, I think there's enough powerlifters that would come down and we would, you know, throw a slam in meat. One of the biggest takeaways with Leo this time, I felt was where she talked about, what are you going to do for the sport? Like, what else are you going to do? And this was a conversation that I'm sure she's had several times, but she was talking about with Susan, you know, what else, what is next? You know, you can break these records and, and you know, they'll possibly be broken again. So what other mark are you going to leave within the sport? How are you going to affect other people? What are you going to do to enrich other people's lives through powerlifting? And I think that is a very, very positive powerful statement. Um, and I think those are also words to live by, not necessarily just in powerlifting. But how else are you going to give back? And that's kind of my my feeling. And I, I talk about that a little bit and how I wanted to explore that with, with powerlifting and this podcast. And of course, of course, this episode is brought to you by my place, my, my strength haven, core strength and performance, where as my husband says, you can lift weights. I just love saying that now, you know, um, but we try to have everybody live a little, little stronger each day, grow a little bit more muscle so you can live a little healthier. And if you want to rip some heavy weight off the floor, hey, we do that too. So come on by. Um, we welcome everybody, all levels of strength. And let's get into it with Leo. I just want to interview people like you who are doing things, you know, and, and, kind of creating a way for women in powerlifting that is very different. I mean, there's really not your position now that I think of it. There's not even in USAPL. I'm trying to think of other, you know, mm -hmm. maybe other federations where I think that since you've kind of went on board, you you kind of are his right-hand man, you know, you're Steve's right-hand mm -hmm. man and you do all these things. But I always like to start off with, you know, where did you start and I know that you've talked about this story before, but I always like to hear a little bit more because when I was looking back at the young Leo in her 148 class, ready to set, <laughs> ready to set some world to records <laughs> at her world record benching at 148, you look like a child. I mean, you look, I know. You probably were a child now I think about it. I mean, how old were you yeah. when you started? Well, I started at 20, officially at 22, my first competition. Um, well, I always say it's May of 2000, but really I did a full power meet in 99, and that was my first um, run at it 
And um, I was 22 years old when I started. So I started competing as a junior and have made my way now to the master's you know, division, which I celebrate because, um, you know, there's almost a 20 year time period. And I just, and I work with people who are in their, you know, late 50s, 60s, uh, Roy Taylor, Tom Miller in their 70s, Gordon Santee um, has had a long career. And I just don't feel like I'm going to stop. <laughs> so they give me hope that I'll be lifting into my 70s. That's what I, I want anyways. Yeah, well, for sure. I think uh, I think if you're in it because you love it, then you'll be <laughs> in it. You'll try to be in it for a long, you know, the long haul. And I know that I know that you took a break from competing for a little bit, right? Um, well, <clears throat> the truth is that I started the sport competing, but I always loved to be an administrator and a meet director. And I think I felt early on, I mean, when I started, there was no social media, um, not the way we know it today. Everything was in print. You know, we had Powerlifting USA magazine and that's where they published all the results. So there was never really anything that was online um, that you could get uh, re as readily as you can get now. So I always wanted to be in a position or I always knew I should say that um, I could touch more people. I create more opportunities being an administrator and try to help federations grow or create more opportunities to compete than I would just touching people being an athlete yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. So I ran this course of being an administrator learning everything I can. I can do every job. Yeah. You know, spotting and loading. I still would, would jump in today and spot and load my meets if I have to. And I have actually. I just did that at my meet in December. So, you know, meeting Steve and he had the same vision. It's easy to support his vision because a part of it is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for so sure. um we both just can't even believe the sport is where it's at right now. So where did it, where did that change for you? At what point were you just a competitor and then it changed to being involved with Steve? How did you meet him and how did that whole thing unfold? Well, we, um, Team Mana in Hawaii, we obviously had to travel to every meet we competed in. Well, mostly we could do one or two in Hawaii, um, but we traveled as a team for almost a decade before I even became a referee. You know, the as you know, the qualifications are different. You don't need to be competing for 10 years to be a ref. But I felt like I needed that background. I felt like I needed to leave Hawaii. I needed to see other meets, bigger meets, and just be influenced and learn more before I could take on this role. And um, um, so we met Steve as kind of a transitional point. We're competing many other federations prior to meeting Steve. And he was just a meet director, I should say, the California state chairman of the USPF at the time we met him. Um, the USPA was not even born yet. Yeah. So we met yeah. him and he was West Coast based. And Steve has this aloha spirit. If you've ever met him, he likes to hug and he's very kind. They're very nice and giving as a person. So that was our first, um, I guess, you know, introduction to him as a person. So, and we had to find a federation where our lifters could travel to compete that was, you know, more affordable for them. So he was based in California. And so that was just the right way to go. 
So we started running USPF meets because of him. Darren Matsumoto and myself, he's the Hawaii State Chairman now, my longtime training partner. We actually flew to Venice Beach to get our practical to become referees. Wow. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> so, Venice Beach, you know, huh? Not a bad spot. Huge leap to (laughs) do this. And so did John and Donna Barang, which was the next two referees in Hawaii to do it. They got their practicals um, done at the first USP Nationals in 2011. Wow. So we were the first four to kind of become referees and kind of forge what we have now in Hawaii based on Steve's guidance. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So around 2011... 2010, 2011 is about the time you guys officially changed over to USPA. And that, right. that, that's about the time that I knew Darren. I, I think I knew Darren actually from 2007 to 2010-ish. And for our listeners, like Darren used to live in the building that I lived in. And I had no right. idea what powerlifting was. I had no clue any of that. I mean, I was really kind of going through a hard time in my life. And... <clears throat> And all I remember was Darren had this cute dog, this pit. That <laughs> Lehua. Was, Lehua was so beautiful and she was so sweet. And she would Richter on the other dog that would try to get like, I guess they had like our neighbor's dog was just, she was a shithead and she couldn't like control her dog and she let her dog mm-hmm. go and it fought mm-hmm. Lehua. And Lehua was a pit, but still right. Darren was trying to hold back Lehua and she just let him go and and after that i remember just being in the elevator with him and in, he was like so like composed and lehu was right there and before the i think I'm, i've told you this but i, I want to tell everybody cuz I, I remember being like shocked the elevator's open and she they didn't even open all the way lehu was a and just goes ah, ah, and i just start like <laughs> <laughs> like i back up into the corner of the elevator like trip and like what is going on and it was the other dog on the other side and she could already smell the dog and Right, and yeah. he, told, he told me, he goes, you know, I told her that I'm not going to hold back my dog. If if she can't control hers, because that's not fair to my dog, because I was pulling her dog off of mine and my dog was letting go. And right. I, I always remember that we'd always have nice conversations in the elevator. And I always remember looking, he'd park right in the front where I don't know how he always got front parking, but he always did. <laughs> he, he has two trucks and he switches them out. Does, does that what it is? I was like, bro, he that, always gets right that's in his front. secret. Oh, he's so smart. Yeah, because in Hawaii, you have limited (laughs) parking. And I'm sure everybody else lives in like a metropolitan area. There's you get one parking stall and you pay for another one. And if you're lucky, you can pay for another one. And he always had it. And he always had it in front because in the back of the truck said Mana Barbell. And I remember always thinking, (laughs) I I had no clue, like didn't even dawn on me that Barbell would be like a fitness, like no Uh association whatsoever. So it's funny that many years later, when I actually started getting into it, it was like, oh, that's who he is you know and then the association of it that that was around the same time and so that's interesting so you started holding meets out there you guys held a USPA meet and I think that I probably went to maybe one of the first 10 that you guys had it was out in at a high school and that was the one what Moanalua High School and it was a full power meet I remember had some heavy hitters and that Mm. was the first time I had seen Susan because Susan was there at Mm. this point and that's where I remember saying, like, oh, that's Susan Salazar. She's the figure competitor and powerlifter. And I remember being all, like, you know, enamored with the thought of it. You know, like, oh, I can do bodybuilding and powerlifting. Like, a, she lifts heavy. And that was my first time associating those two things. That's fantastic. So now, now what would you say, what is your title now? 
Uh, for the USBA, I'm the executive administrator, so I, you know, do everything that Steve would do. We also recently brought on uh, Mike Tronsky, or I wouldn't say recently brought him on. Mike has been there since before day one. Um, he was just now given the title of the executive vice president. And if you ever met Mike, he is perfect for the job. He is amazing person to have on your team. He's a wonderful I mean, guy. Oh, he, Mike used to own his own business in collections. So his cool, calm demeanor is just representative of all his years doing that. Yeah, <laughs> Can I you could, imagine? I could see that. Every conversation he ever had to have for this 20 plus year stint was with very, you know, angry people yeah. who did not want to be confronted with their shortcomings. And he had to persuade them to do the right thing yeah. and pay off their debts. Yeah. He has an amazing skill set, you know, and, and loves the sport. He also has a background in law. So he oh, just, I didn't know that. He can do a vast array amount of things, and he's just a nice person. Nice person. That's so funny. Yeah. You It's funny to hear the backstory because usually powerlifting is like either a hobby or something that people love, a passion that now, you know, it, is behind a career that they've had for so long. Mm -hmm. So you would never mm -hmm. know that the guy checking you in for weigh-ins <laughs> is going to be also right. somebody was, you know, you know, practicing law doing all this kind of stuff. That's so funny. So I was, I was curious to, to know, what do you think has been maybe some of the struggles you've had as a veteran powerlifter? Cause I think a lot of newer ones, newer powerlifters might have the same things, you know, sticking to program, maybe family, not supportive, but as somebody who's been in the game for this long, what kind of struggles do you find maybe that are different than you had when you were younger? I mean, you know, the, the thing is this is like I never felt <clears throat> any struggle or resistance in my path, um, you know, almost 20 years going now. I just from I guess just being born and raised in Hawaii, every the group that I was with had always supported me and vice versa. Yeah. So, um, you know, I couldn't, I cannot say that I had any struggles in my path to where I am now with, you know, being a female wanting to do this. I always just showed up and did it. And, yeah. um, you know, out of my, well, I have 19 referees now, I believe. And we only had 17 lifters in our first meet. I have more referees than that now. Wow. Um, only three are men. So USPA Hawaii is a matriarch. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a state, you know, um, so all of my female referees have either advanced careers or advanced degrees. Um, just a great group of women. So actually, and the men who supported me on the way up, I can honestly tell you, I haven't had any resistance. And I don't now, even working with Mike and Steve and Bruce Takla, um, our referee chairman, who is really the resident rocket scientist, if you will. I mean, he's an MIT grad. He created Iron Coffee. He still has uh, government clearance to the pen. It's just insane. He has government the clearance? Of, That's so crazy. Yeah. The amount of people that we have supporting us as an organization all banded together okay. because we love the sport. But they're bringing in all their background skill sets, all their education, all their experience, and just pouring it in. So I am experiencing that same support in California that I did in Hawaii um, with my team. And I'm not going to be 
I'm not going to say that there isn't people who didn't believe that we could get here, um, or myself, just USP Hawaii, or USP in general. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess we just didn't listen, or there was just more people supporting us yeah. that we we could not pay attention to anybody that didn't believe in us, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so as much as resistance as maybe even Steve had starting the USPA, he still had an outpour <laughs> of support. At the moment he switched, there was like 30 states that switched. Wow. And then we started running meets. I mean, so yes, there is resistance, but in the same time, there was just so much support. So I can't really say <clears throat> that I've ever... Um, had any struggles. I have an, yeah, I don't have an over I don't have an overwhelming story of resistance yeah. getting to this point. I just an outpour of support. That's great. What about personally, like training wise? Do you find anything more difficult now? I actually training's easier now because <laughs> I'm I love wiser it. <laughs> right? and and have no ego. I think anytime you're a young, ambitious person. Um, and like I said, this is without social media, so I was not, um, I did not have to play up to anything at the time or was influenced by other people's lifting because if you weren't at the meet, you didn't see it. Yeah. You know, you didn't really see anybody's training. I mean, growing up, I bought the Westside Barbell VHS tape, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, <laughs> um, you know, Ed Cohen, his book. You know, just whatever you could get your paper, hands on. Paper. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, so training then was just, it, it was different. We did not, you know, you just, you know, you did the basics and you just showed up and, you know, the, but so now with the increase in understanding even mobility and stretching, I remember even going like out all night, Friday night, going to squat Saturday morning, not a care in the world about nutrition, stretching, warming up. <laughs> like Taco, Bell the, Taco Bell the night before. <laughs> oh, 7-Eleven monocuota warning up. I mean, it was, it, it was just crazy. The things I did in my 20s yeah. to prepare for meets, I would never do. I couldn't even do it today. I couldn't get away with it. Yeah. You know, um, but oddly enough, I'm the strongest I've ever been at 40, 41 years old. So um, I'm grateful for that. And I think it's just, you know, being patient throughout it, just seeing the sport evolve and capturing all that um, um, advice and experiences from other people throughout my path. Um, I'm just grateful yeah. Uh, for all of that and not sustaining any ma major injuries from this sport either. So. Oh, that's great. So no, no major injuries. No, I have, I have tore my right Achilles tendon, but that's because I was doing like a strong man stint and I was flipping a tractor tire and then fell back on it. But oh my no, gosh, for real? I know it was pretty terrible. <laughs> wow. But no injuries from powerlifting. None. <laughs> so what is your, what is your current uh, training look like now? Now that, I mean, because you guys run conjugate, right? I mean, still to this day, you switched over to conjugate. Okay. So, I do. So what is like, if you were to step in the gym, what does your week look like? What does your normal warm-up look like? And what does your training look like? Um, So it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And Saturday, Sunday is if I could do it, if I'm not running a meet on the weekend. So I do give up a lot of training days because of work, which I'm glad to do. Um, So... 
Tuesdays is Emmy squats or deadlifts or good morning, something heavy. Thursdays, Emmy upper, you know, a bench or a shoulder press. Um, and then the dynamic days on the weekend, um, you know, lower on Saturday, upper on Sunday. Now, if I know that I'm training for a meet and the weekends are going to be washed out, I'll switch out the ME days for the DE days because I feel those are better for me. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it's a more workload capacity. It's faster. Um, So, yeah, I would swap those out and do the DE days. And a lot of times I just do the DE days because that keeps me ready Uh until uh I'm ready to train. You know, you got to be in somewhat decent shape to try and max out every week on something or something in the 90 percentile for triple and for those Uh, listening emmy is max effort so if you're not familiar with mm -hmm. conjugate it's max effort and dynamic effort so for max effort days are usually the rep range i mean that's where you're trying to strain and you're trying to put a a significant load um so you're doing anything from 85 percent up around there and then when you get to your dynamic effort it's your faster stuff, so you actually want to do it a lot lighter, and you're going to work on speed. So you mm-hmm. tend to do more work um, it, as far as um, work capacity, so you're able to do more reps. I, you know, it would almost be, I guess, a comparison would be like a hypertrophy, almost a kind of, you know, you're going to do more of yeah. your accessory stuff. And so when she's talking about being ready, that's kind of it. I could see that because you're just going to kind of keep your fitness up if you have to swap that out. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, unload the trailer does provide for a lot of good assistance work as well yeah. if you have never set up a meet and like that's the thing with us like we we unload the trailer together so it's usually myself mike and steve you know so we go anywhere from the office straight to meets unloading the trailer setting up meets putting together platforms and whatnot we do everything so selfishly i want to know what are some tips for somebody who is going to be holding a meet perhaps for their first time in about six months. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. Consult somebody who's done it before. Yeah, well, yeah, right. Well, I'm actually going to be, but that's the plan in the next, uh, by, by, the, by summer of next year, we're out, I'm talking with um, Charlie, who is our, mm. our chairman. Charlie Lyons. Yeah, yeah, Charlie Lyons. Great guy. Great guy, great wife, mm. great team. I almost feel like being in the South is like being in Hawaii, like, the, yes. the people yeah. are so, I don't know, they're respectful. They have a tight-knit community. Um, mm. I, I, the, the feeling is the same. The country people are country. You know, like mm. they, they like country music. They ride trucks. Right. It's, it's kind right, of funny, right, the right. similarities when I think about it. But, um, yeah, I want to hold one out here. And I was, you know, I feel lucky that I've been to enough where I, I can see how mm-hmm. people run different things. You know, like um, I, was, I hooked up with the guys Old School Iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the days and I, I see how they run stuff and, and it's interesting but what would you say is uh some tips for me as a somebody who's going to be holding the event and maybe other women because I'm sure there are other women out there who might possibly want to hold powerlifting meets as well oh for sure um you know I think the thing is like just look at every aspect of what you're doing from the lifter standpoint you know, what kind of meat would you like to compete in? Right. Is the warm-up room big enough? Is the platform, you know, where you would like it to be, the waiting area? You know, just space and proximity. You know how everything works Yeah. now. Um, you're a referee, so you could see that. 
advantage point. Um, so when you take in all of these things from a meet director standpoint, the referee and the lifter, and combine all those experiences, you're going to have a really great meet. Yeah. It's when we lose sight of what it's like to be a lifter in the warm-up room that we're, they end up too tight or too small or, you know, you just, you miss things. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, and then, of course, administratively is where it all starts. How are you going to take in the entries? How is that going to be organized? And who's going to be there for you the day of running this um, and making that move? You know, because the table... The table is your go-to people. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody's important. Don't get me wrong. But if your table is failing and the computer shutting down and they're missing to put in attempts and they're clicking the wrong things, your meat can go sour real quick. Yep. Yep. That's you know, so, so you got to just, you got to have good people starting early and how you're going to set up the data is, that's all a very intricate part. The organization, people only see meats on the weekend they do not realize that it takes nearly six months or maybe even a whole year just depending on the size of your meat to plan and organize this yep so the sooner you can get started the more things you'll learn as you're getting closer that you're missing yeah and yeah. that just that just provides for a better experience overall yeah yeah no i agree <clears throat> yeah that i guess maybe then i'm on to the right path <laughs> six yes. months out i'm yeah. on to the right path <clears throat> That's wonderful. So now what is your next step? Where are you going to be going in the next year or two personally and maybe with the USPA? Because I feel like the last maybe two years, maybe even three years, I feel like you guys have really made a push on social media, apparel. I mean, to mm -hmm. me, you're, you're, you made a clear divide of how USPA is, is taking things now. And I feel that it's, you know, we're, USPA is one of the best out there and it's a mm -hmm. clear difference. So where, where are you guys planning on taking the company? Um, you know, obviously we're making a push now with our new drug tested division. So um, this year alone, we've offered almost 50 drug tested meets. Um, whereas the first year of the USPA, there was less than that as a whole um, for the untested division. So um, collaborating wow. with that, you know, we're going to push to have almost 350 meets on the calendar. Uh, we're over 300 this year. Um, so Steve is always, now that I've, now that he, I've come on to help take away a lot of the task work that he used to do. Um, people don't realize he used to work 18, he did everything by himself, 18 hours a day. I mean, he had support, don't get me wrong, but administratively he was doing everything on his own. So now this has freed up time for him to get new business um go to states that are underdeveloped and build up those states now um you may have seen we're taking our world championships overseas uh -huh. so now we are focusing C's focusing on building the um ipl um you know and still focusing on you know the uspa we've um given our non-tested nationals over to ohio ohio's a big big state with chris smith a lot of referees, a lot of meets. So we're allowing different meet directors to run higher level meets. Mm. Um, so we're building everybody collectively throughout the nation. Um, so, you know, meet directors who've been with us for a long time, now they're running an expo or, you know, a national championships 
um, or an IPL meet that is world record sanctioned. Um, so Steve is on board for building everybody up to the next level. Um, and I think that's important in any business. Oh, yeah. Elevate the people around you and the entire company elevates. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's so important that uh, I think you have to have that growth mentality and, mm-hmm. and, and be able to let go. As a, I mean, when I think about it as a small business owner and I only have a staff of two, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to let go and trust other people and that they're going to be able to carry the vision for you do things the way you want it to be done. And, and sometimes they won't. And I think that that is important in order to grow because you can have things set in place, you know, as far as like standards and guides and things like that. But a lot of that is, it's like relinquishing a lot of that of your baby, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that is important for growth and not everybody can do that. that so mm-hmm. that's awesome that I think that he's doing that. I'm excited to go to Worlds in, or- mm-hmm. in Ireland next year. Right. <clears throat> Devin and I are already planning for it. So I told him, I go, listen, so I have to make it to Worlds this year. <laughs> you're planning early, so you're good. Oh, yeah. We're planning to go to New Zealand uh, and do the whole New Zealand. You know, and we haven't gone. I mean, have you ever been to New Zealand? I have not. No. Yeah, I've only yeah. been to Japan and Austria overseas. So it's Random. Why Austria? What I was for powerlifting. Oh, no way. <laughs> I visited places in the U.S. I would never go if not for powerlifting. Wow, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, well, I wanted to go to New Zealand and I wanted to paddle out there. I heard they paddle when it's real cold, like super oh, I, duper cold. I know. And to them, it's probably warm. Yeah. <laughs> My mom was like, oh, no, they're out there with like, you know, they're paddling. She goes, it's so freezing during the Christmas. Time. Well, their cold time, not not our. I think it's swapped. But yeah, so I told him, oh, OK, no, I, OK, plans changed. <laughs> Let's go to Ireland. <laughs> I mean, what that's yeah. a, that's an amazing opportunity. I think as a lifter, I feel stoked that I get to do something like that. Go to a different country. I'll never I probably would never go to Ireland just because I would mm-hmm. pick other places or do other things. Just like you probably never would have went to Austria. For sure. Like that's such for a sure. Thing. Yeah. What about you? So what what are the plans for you in the next couple of years? Um, well, <laughs> just continue on, you know, helping promote, you know, the USP and support Steve across the board. Um, also, I still fly home three to four times a year and help run meets in Hawaii. Um, I'm from there. So my love and heart will always be there. Yeah. Um, I, I would have probably never been in this position if not, you know, for my team being so involved in the sport and we all going on trips together and all experience this thing and running meets together, which allowed my skill sets to evolve um, uh, to where it is now just because of those experiences. Um, I have no plans for lifting right now because now as you get older, the PRs come <laughs> you got to work for six months just to get a five pound, five pound PR, PR. On your total, <laughs> which I just did um, after my 41 birthday. But, um, you know, still supporting Susan. Susan, you know, she's going to want to lift until the very end. Yep, <laughs> so yep. she's doing the LA Fit Expo. So I'm still supporting her and her want to uh, continue on with, you know, her, her high level of lifting. Um, so between, you know, supporting her, Hawaii, and uh, the USPA, I have, you know, a lot of things on my plate that, 
you know, occupy my time and I, and I want to give to those things. So um, maybe the old dogs meet at the end of the year, I'll compete once a year with people in my age group. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, um, you know, still, I have a single ply background, so I still would want to compete, you know, at the Olympia and the shirted bench press, of course, um, and do that once a year. But no immediate plans to compete right now. So what is your max right now on your bench? Uh, 440 equipped. I missed 442 at that same meet just on lockout. So um, so I want to do that. My raw bench is at 314. So obviously want to get that to be better too. Um, That's and so as I'm competing as a master lifter. So I appreciate, you know, be, still being able to do that at this point in my career. That's, a, that's amazing. It's funny when I was looking up your stats, it was 250 was what you were going for. I think if it was it Oh nine, they had you down in 148. I think you're that. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, to think how far that's came in 250, that's a lot. I mean, in my eyes at 148, you know, still that's an amazing number. So to be at 440 equipped is crazy. It's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, but you know, but as a lifter, you never think it is. Never the enough. moment the moment you arrive at that point, you're like, what you about know, I think I could have done more. <laughs> Endlessly never so, satisfied. Yeah, I mean, at one time, at one time, I wanted to squat and deadlift 200 kilos. So to be able to bench it was just right. an insane moment. And I actually flew Darren in for that meet that was in San Diego, the IPL Single Lift Worlds, and uh, Susan was there with me. You know, so. For me, it is important that I have been with the same team and same people for well over a decade. You know, you see this a lot. People change gyms, they change groups, they change coaches like every meet. And I just refuse to do that. I we grew I grew in the sport with this team. We built USP Hawaii with this team. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't feel the need to change. If there's any regression, it's, that's my own doing. It's not the next person's fault, Yeah. you know? So I stay with the team and, and, and what it's, I'm grateful for is the whole team has actually evolved. So yeah. everybody travels and everybody influence and we all bring it back and share it. And I think that's uh, our success and a, a huge part of my success is because of the key people that I've had in my life for so long. And then when I met Susan, I still have her as a training partner after all these years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's, it, I think it says a lot about the kind of people that are with Mana Barbell. You know what I mean? That, right. that, that <clears throat> through these years, Mana Barbell has just grown. And if you watch some of their videos, I mean, that gym has a great atmosphere. The people that are there are still with the Barangs and, and Darren, all of them, yes. the, the key people are still there, um, still trying to, push and empower other new lifters and grow the sport out there. So where do you see it growing for USPA out there? Because I know that Omana Barbell kind of just started taking things over the last mm-hmm. what year or two. They just opened up like yes. their own new gym. Yes. Yeah. So they just mm-hmm. hold, have their, um, they just had a meet, right? Recently. Uh, August. Yes. The Maui state championship, the Maui powerlifting championship. So do you see, do you see it growing on different islands? Yeah, I mean that's our, you know, that's our hope. The 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 unique and the unique thing about Hawaii is the state as you know is comprised of islands. So 
Um, so Oahu obviously being the biggest, well, not the biggest in size, but most populated. Um, but we understand that Hawaii is all the islands. So Maui is completely on board with Mahealani Strong and Jody um, Sajor. They're the owners of Ho'omana Barbell. Um, and in two years, what they were to, able to accomplish is amazing. Awesome. You know, they just head first, dove right in, huge gym. You yeah. know, USDA Training Center became coaches, lifters. Jody started in her late 40s and wow. totaled over 1,000 in her first meet. You know? Wow, that's amazing. She, I didn't know that. She, she, she placed best lifter at nationals this year in the open class. Wow. As well as the master. I mean, I I'm just impressed by by them as people, and then just all the the community they're building. You know, in their gym they have boxing, CrossFit, uh, Taekwondo, well, Olympic yeah. lifting. Excuse me, Olympic lifting. <laughs> 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 and then um, you know, so they're building a community of people out there. Yeah, they yeah. became referees. Um, and then, you know, we did have a meet on the island of Kauai a couple years back in 2016. We took all our equipment from Mana Barbell, put it on a barge in a container with young brothers. And sh- people have no idea about the lengths we have gone through to have meets in our state. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Yes. They had no equipment on, on, on Kauai. So we bought our ER, ER racks, all our bars, wow. all our competition plates, wow. flew in every judge, you know. Yeah. So you can already know on a financial back end, we eclipsed our our, our budget right. Of, right. for the meat entries. We went well beyond that. We always have, you know, early on before we were selling out meats in less than an hour, um, just because we love the sport. Yeah. Yeah. That, and for people out there, I mean, what she's talking about is, you know, when you fly to Hawaii, there are not a lot of direct flights for one thing. So when you're on the main island, you can get a, a direct flight to Oahu, which is the main island. It's not the biggest island, but it is the main one. So a lot of times you got to fly to Oahu and then go to Maui or Kauai or these other outer islands. So you're not talking about just one fee. You know, it, it, a lot of times you have to take two. Um, so mm-hmm. if you're lucky, if it's at the right time and the right, you know, time of the year, you can fly directly, but that's not always <laughs> the case. And, and you can't, it's not easy to just take equipment over. So putting it on a barge, I mean, that's crazy. I just never even thought about that. That's right. Because they're not, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and that's a lot, thousands and thousands of pounds. That's- oh, of course. <sighs> yeah. And uh, in the effort of many. So even we had to have, you know, local contact, you know, in Kauai, yeah. one of the lifters, Nate brought his truck down and then carried the equipment for us. And then we had wow. Jimmy over at Kauai Muscle and Fitness, you know, help us and find a location and, you know, essentially host a meet for us, if you will, flew in all of our judges. It was great. We don't regret it. We Darren is hopes to go back there in 2019. He's actively working on it um, for us to get back there. So three islands so far. That's you know. wonderful. I'd be very surprised if like Lanai and all the other ones would have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get there sooner or later. You know, the economy is not good for everybody, you know, yeah. um, especially, you know, our islanders. So if we can bring the meat to them, that is something that that is um, something that we're willing to take on. 
for yeah. the lifters. So you guys never uh, held one in Hilo? We have not. No. So eventually, it's just a matter of time before we do. We have a lot of Hilo, a big island lifters, though, yeah. that fly to a lot of events um, or to expos now. You know, Brandon right. Ha just competed at the San Diego Fit Expo bench somewhere well over 400 as raw as a 165er so a lot of talent on every island right and this is why we started this to begin with there's so much talent in in the state you know um and also we want to exploit other people's um you know skill sets that you know that they may be too afraid to do um early on but by gaining the confidence of training and being on the platform and conquering their goals there, you know, they might have the confidence enough to go after all these other life goals and these other life PRs. I've said this from the beginning, it's always been my philosophy, told Susan this too, when she wanted to become the best in the world, what else are you going to do? Yeah. That that cannot be it. Yeah. Because, and then last year she did, she became the best raw lifter by coefficient in the world at 40 something years old and it's like what's next right who what else are you going to do who else are you going to touch you have to do other things for the community your numbers are just numbers records are going to be broken how are you going to touch the next person how are you going to build up community how are you going to build up the sport for people to come after you to experience all the great things that you did 100 i think that's a huge thing it's about um making an experience for other people as well because i think that you know once you you're really right about numbers will be broken your name might be there but it might not be there for very mm-hmm. long so how else mm-hmm. are you going to give back and i think that that is more fulfilling as well you know i mean as a life purpose it's i always like what dave tate is <clears throat> you know live learn pass on right you know you yes. live learn you pass yes. on but what are you going to be able to pass on it might not be what everybody else is passing on you know like i i'm not the strongest lifter out there i enjoy and i'll probably won't stop unless something major happens. I mean, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm creeping. I slowly creep every year, just a little bit better and a little bit better. Right. But I think that part of my passion is finding other women who might have been where I was scared to kind of try it. And cause there's a lot of women out there that are there and interested and in being able to connect them with my gym or maybe with this podcast or, right. or with other people in a way where it might not uh, be normal. And, and, and so I feel like that is my path is to reach out to other women and help them find strength training. And if it's powerlifting, fantastic. But if it's just strength right. training for now, that's, that's great. But I, I feel that powerlifting has been the one thing that saved me in a sense, like I was kind of just done. I was done with fitness. Mm-hmm. I was really kind of burnt out. I was chasing something that to me, in the sense, if you're just chasing a number, you're just chasing something it really doesn't mean that whole much. So once that doesn't pan out or once that fizzles, then it's mm-hmm. like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, it's nothing is fulfilling. Right. It's not fulfilling right. anymore. And it really makes you reevaluate things. And so I felt that powerlifting for me empowered me in a way where I wanted other women to feel empowered. Like you don't have to worry about so much of how you look um, and you can, it can be self-satisfying. You can have your own numbers. You don't necessarily have to compete. You should. I think that everybody should compete. Uh, well, not everybody, everybody, but everybody, but I think that it's, it's great for people to compete. Um, but yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So that's, I love that that's part of it. And that would probably be why I think that you've been so maybe not headstrong, but so driven 
in this role that you play because you do, you mm-hmm. carry many hats. Um, mm-hmm. And I almost feel like that's like a, a trait of like some Hawaii girls. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's one of those things. My girlfriend and I, we always talk about that. Like <laughs> you kind of got to do everything, you know, sometimes. And yeah. it's, it's funny. You're yeah. like, you do all the cooking, the cleaning, you know, you do all this stuff too. And it, you know, yeah. you, you got to take care of all these roles and, um, and I, I don't know, maybe, it, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel like a lot of Hawaii women are, are kind of like, but <clears throat> it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's just the community of, of, of women that I've met. Everybody is the same. It's just like, they, they want to do more, you yeah, know, that's exactly it. as a way of service to others, yeah, that's you know, exactly so it always build up the next person around. Um, so just like even meeting you, you know, think about the stretch of how we got even to this point right now and <laughs> doing yeah. this interview, like you <laughs> lived in Darren's building and then you lived in El Paso and trained with Susan, who's my, you know, who I trained with, who's my friend. I have a long history with. It's just the, the, I, I get, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of negative things out there and I'm not naive to that, but I, I'm just grateful for the people who I'm around and what we choose to focus and center our energy around. Oh, I completely yeah. agree. I think that's a huge thing that you can, you can get caught up in that, you know, really, yes. you can get very yeah. caught up in what you don't have or other people's mm-hmm. businesses. Like we've talked about <laughs> yeah. and, and that just leads you nowhere. And, and it's not about being naive. You know, when I, I sometimes don't feed into mm-hmm. a lot of the like, uh, politics that are going on and mm-hmm. a lot of that. And, and it's not because I'm trying to cut myself off to what's current. It's just, there's just so much. And I only want to, I want to There's so much that. other things to do. Yes. You know, instead there's of so getting much... caught up in all of that. Yeah. Once you read it, then that's it. It's like, you start thinking about it. It's in your brain. You've given so much mm-hmm. time to either writing about it or talking to somebody else about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. then it's just too much energy at that point. And then I'm like, you know, and then yeah. it just, the, the cycle repeats. Well, for sure. Leo, this was fantastic. Thank you. I love talking. <laughs> I was I was so excited to just hear a little bit more backstory about you because you ain't got no bio. You know, USPA should have a bio about all you guys <laughs> so people can know about you guys. No, we just do the work, honestly. It's yeah. just it's kind of one of those things that where we do not do it for any validation or any credit. Right. You know, for me when I see things happening and I know I was a part of it, that's all I need. Yeah. I don't need the thank yous. I don't need the accolades. I I know that I've served, did my part, yeah. you know, in, yeah. so I, I just, we, we're not probably ever going to have bios. Just like Steve, he doesn't want to be a celebrity. Yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah. He does not care about that. Yeah. He just works. He loves the sport. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, um, it's for the lifter. And I think that once you see, you know, when you were talking about being in the lifter's spot like with the Tahiti Fed, you know, because we, we run the Tahiti Fed, I always think of what is the dancer's experience. Mm-hmm. Like when they are in that, you know, in their dressing and then they have, you know, they're freaking out about what time they got to be on. What would make it easier? Would it be easier right. to have a TV right. there saying what's up? You know, all these things. Right. And, and I think that it's easy to lose sight of that in a business mm-hmm. because you're thinking of everything else to run it, right? What's yeah. going to make it more efficient or cost efficient or, yes. and, and yeah. you sometimes forget about the things that would elevate it and make it better for the lifter. Mm-hmm. Like I lifted, uh, I, I um, judged at uh, a meet in Birmingham and it was on a, uh, like a, a theater. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you know, um, 
Uh-huh. Well, Charlie, Charlie runs it, but um, gosh, what's the guy's name? Totally forgetting his name right here. Anyways, it was in a theater. Freaking lights, you know, the whole like beautiful. Right. <laughs> they had alcohol at the, at the bar at like ten o'clock. People were drinking, you know, and the, and it was more expensive to be there. So people who were watching yeah. had to pay a little bit more. But that's you know the nature right. of it. But right. the lifters it, totally dug it. I mean, the warm up room mm-hmm. was kind of ah because it was a theater, but right, right. the experience right. of being on that stage right. and sort of having this kind of like uh, rock star feeling. I thought that yes. was, I thought that was yes. awesome, and those are the little think I think the little touches when you go to certain meets and you you see those differences that make a difference, mm-hmm. and that's to me what would I think would valid would make me as a as a chairman or as a director mm-hmm. happy is to see people have that kind of feedback, mm-hmm. and to me that that that's what makes uh, I feel the USBA wonderful in, in what you guys do mm-hmm. because there's always a continuity, there's always consistency in what is done for the most part. Everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, they run things pretty much the same. You can take your little twist mm-hmm. here and there, but right. Yeah, I think that's why I'll, I don't know if I'll ever venture out. <laughs> well, was... we're lifters too, you know. Yeah. So sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't change a certain thing. Just like you said, the warm-up room was small in the theater. Yeah. But we're yeah. lifters, so I would go back there. Like I know what you guys are going through right now. This is what we got. Here's my suggestions. Right. So a lot of times, the. Like no, they knowing that I'm a lifter too kind of eases a lot of the tensions or potential outcries they may have about the space. It's like, right. here's my suggestion. This is what you should do. And when you're done, you probably should go sit in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you're ready, you come back in, you know, because then this place is cluttered. So it's just having this understanding of things. Sometimes you can't fix everything, yeah. but you can at least sympathize and empathize with the lifters and give them you know feedback and suggestions to make their experience better yeah 100 percent. i think that like if if you put that in mind if the lifter is in the forefront then the experience will be better more people will come and that's to me what always happens you know i mean you don't want sure i've heard of some really crappy ones and shana even was talking about like oh i've been to somewhere i had to bench with a deadlift bar and (laughs) i was like what are you kidding me? She goes, oh, yeah. I mean, we've had our yeah. share. And I've heard such good, great things about Shana and her husband and the way they run things. Yes. Yes. Uh, their meets, of, I mean, people just love them. And But I think it's always that, is that you have to think of it like that. Laura Phelps runs a great meet. Have you been to the Women's I, Pro-Am? No, so I want to go. You, you have, I mean. It's I, a seven-hour drive for me. I went in 2014, and I am amazed. Her and her crew, you know, the warm-up rooms is the gym, and then the other open space they have on the other side. Her crew had that meat cleaned up in, like, 30 minutes. Wow. We were all eating at the restaurant, like, hour and a half after the meat. I mean, I just, the whole day, just impressed by them. If anybody gets a chance, you know, um, like, I love the USPA, you know, but... And that obviously is not a USP meet, but it is a good meet. And yeah. I support the sport of powerlifting right. and women's lifting. So if you get a chance oh, to yeah. make it out there. You know what? I might just make it out there then. I know I know somebody who's going <laughs> to be lifting out there watch. too. If you don't lift, just you got to yeah. see it. You know, it, 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 she, she does an amazing job. She's got a good team. Wow. So well, well, thank you again, Leo. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Heidi. I really appreciate you taking this time, carving out of your crazy day answering emails like mine like is my registration expired oh yeah this yeah. is right after the holidays too so i got like 100 emails but well i will get to it. i didn't realize that now you got to show the card so 
so you can't just show the email that said <laughs> no, you, you re-registered. You got to show the card now. So for yeah, those of you who've been card. showing your email before, <laughs> that is no longer acceptable. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you should have got it. Any problem, card. just email or call me. I got it. <laughs> <laughs>